Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to episode 34 of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. This week, I had the privilege of talking to the number one overall pick in the 2020 National Women's Hockey League draft, Sammy Davis. Sammy's super down to earth, really cool, and has so much going on in her life. It was amazing that she could make some time to come on the podcast. You got to love whenever a professional athlete or anybody else with a big following takes time out of their day, out of their busy schedule to talk about something as important as mental health. It's a great reminder that, hey, like those people that we look up to, that we idolize, are just like us, and they struggle in very similar ways, if not the same ways. So I'm grateful that she used her voice, continues to use her voice, and I think you'll find a lot of enjoyment out of it. And that interview is coming at you in three, two, one. Hey, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dahlborg. And today with me is the 2020 number one overall draft pick in the NWHL National Women's Hockey League draft. That's a mouthful. Sammy Davis. Sammy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Hi, everybody. And Tommy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk today and have uh, this wonderful conversation we're about to have. Completely agree. Really appreciate your time. And first off, I got to say, being the number one overall draft pick, like the Boston Pride chose you over every other woman out there. Mm-hmm. That must have been like the craziest feeling. Yeah, it definitely, I, I, it was crazy. I mean, I feel like it took me like a long time to accept it because, you know, mm-hmm. you're always so hard on yourself. But mm-hmm. um, I think the more and the more the months go by and stuff and the weeks go by, I'm kind of like, wow, this, this is cool. Like, this is really cool. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's real. Like, oh, I can't even imagine. That's so amazing. Did you start playing hockey at a really young age? Like, when did you first strap on some skates? Yeah, so I have um, a twin brother and an older sister, and they actually started um, playing hockey before me. And I think I was about five or six when I started um, playing and I actually started on figure skates for about a year and then I was like nope I don't want the figure skates anymore I want the (laughs) skates that my like brother and sister have so then I switched over to hockey skates when I was like about six and then I kind of like never looked back and um, and it's I'm so I'm so happy that that sports in general and hockey is like a part of my life I I yeah, I give it so much credit to so many things in my life and I'm just really grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. My gosh, I am 24 now and still don't know how to skate. Like <laughs> I remember a few years ago, my family and I went down to Boston and there was like this ice rink that used to go around like some markets or something. I don't remember what it was mm-hmm. called, but um, I think it was set up by Ray Bork or something. And my gosh, I was just hanging on to this handrail the entire time. And you just had these four-year-old kids whipping by me, just making me look absolutely foolish. So that was pretty (laughs) funny, but very cool. I think that 
the high of you going number one overall is such a cool thing to keep in mind as we're talking about mental health and sports today. Cause you know, myself as an athlete through high school and then you of course playing sports your whole life too, and still playing sports, it's, it's a world of highs and lows. And Mm -hmm. I imagine, you know, again, going number one overall was probably a high. And Mm -hmm. I'm also aware that you ended up having double hip surgery at one point. And as an, for an athlete, I can only imagine that that was a low. So what, what caused you to have to have double hip surgery at such a young age? Yeah, I think that, um, like you said, there's highs and lows in the sport and, um, getting drafted was definitely a high, but, um, with everything going on in the pandemic, I definitely think that that, like, it's so good to kind of have that like joy going on, going on in your life. And that was something that I was like trying to accept and be like, you know, this, like, I should be grateful. And, um, but I guess it was like really hard for me to be happy with that because I would Mm. looked at the world and I looked at everything going on and I just was like really struggling with like that acceptance. Mm. Um, but now I look back at it and I'm like, Oh, it it was a good, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky and grateful for that. Um, but so that was definitely a high. Um, but like I said, with, with that high and being drafted, there's definitely like lows too. Like it's, it's kind of stressful, everything going on and people put so much pressure on you and you have to figure out how to deal with that pressure and stuff. Um, but out of all of the things, all the adversity, like I, I faced through hockey, I think that my hip surgery was probably the hardest. I mean, I had hip surgery my summer going into my junior year. I basically was at school with all my classmates, um, living in Boston, like right in the Fenway area. It's like, we're there summer one, like May, June, part of July. And it's like, so fun being in Boston in the summertime because no one's there and you really get to enjoy the campus. And basically I was just like training all spring and summer and I was just, something was going on. Like I was just fatigued and tired and like mentally drained. And I was like basically dealing with this chronic pain all the time. And it was like the new normal to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm a perfectionist. So this new normal was just not okay. I was like, I just don't want to be in pain anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of dealing with this, these hip issues. And finally I went to go see a doctor and they were kind of like, um, my trainers at school were kind of, you know, you don't need hip surgery. You can get through it the entire summer in the year. But I'm like, I have three more months of summer training. Like I can't mm-hmm. just not lift a weight and then expect to be in shape in the fall. Mm-hmm. So then I got a second opinion and they were like, you know, you should get surgery. It's not going to get any better. You're starting to get arthritis. Like you're 21 You're, I think I was 20 at that point. Wow. Um, and so I, I really had to make a hard decision. And I mean, I had like such a great support system. My, my family, like I, I'm really lucky. I have such a great family that really helped me through that. And I mean, my coaching staff was unbelievable. And Brian DeRocher was like, Sammy, anything that you need, like we're here for, you only have one body and like, we want you to be as healthy as you can. So Mm -hmm. I think like, his persuasion to kind of be like, we want you to be healthy and happy, um, really helped me through that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't pretty. I mean, people only see kind of like that social media and the outside and the happiness and, um, 
they don't really see like the day-to-day of like what we go through like there there's a lot of layers to it um there's a lot of layers to women's hockey right now that we're fighting for and um yeah it's it's it was a lot but uh, I had a lot of support and my coaching staff was great and um I mean, I could go on and on about my hip surgery and about the recovery and stuff. And mm. I think I had, I had great teammates and I had great roommates that really kind of rallied behind me. But I think sometimes other athletes that aren't in your shoes, like question, they're like, what are you doing? Why aren't you at the rink? Why aren't you here? I'm like, well, actually I woke up at 6am and I already had my rehab and I already went mm. to go skate with my coach alone. And then I had practice. And then I come here and I sit on the bench and I watch you guys practice. And then they're like, Oh, and then some of my teammates that went through this similar thing to me are like, wow, I really shouldn't have judged you. I should have, I should have like really seen and asked and seen your perspective. And I think that that year really made me take a step back and kind of when I saw somebody hurt or I saw somebody going through something, I was kind of like, Hey, are you okay? Like I'm here to talk. And I think it really gave me the perspective of everybody goes through an injury different and everybody goes through like the coping of not being able to do something they love so differently. And um, I guess once you're put into those shoes, people realize like, wow, she did a lot of work just to be good for herself and to be the best version of herself for the team, which I think is so important to realize like when you're going through an injury, like you need to do what's best for you to be able to come back and be best for the team. So um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people really realize that once I kind of like explained to them and um, that was my outlook on my injury was I just need to be the best version of myself. And um, the hard times are hard and um, they make you tougher though. So, I mean, it, it was a learning process and I wouldn't change my, that year off or my five years at BU like ever. Mm. So you bring up a lot of really important human lessons and human qualities. And one thing you highlighted almost right off the bat was your support system. And I think I know from anything related to your personal health, having a support system, whether it be friends, family, coworkers, teammates, like you said, whatever is so important and plays such a big role in really pushing us to take care of ourselves from a mental health perspective, physical health perspective, spiritual health perspective as well. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that. I know that, you know, a big premise of this podcast is explaining or sharing stories so people know that they're not alone. And that's one of the biggest aspects to it is when somebody opens up their heart, allows you to know that you're not alone, all of a sudden you have this new support from them and you feel empowered to go and do something, make a change for yourself, take care of yourself. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned that facing adversity a lot of times, somebody like me, for example, somebody who watches sports, will see the you know, maybe hear the news of you going through this surgery. And did you end up sitting out that entire season? Yeah, I sat out for a year. So I didn't really get to play in a game for about like two years. Wow. Man, I can't even imagine how hard as an athlete that would be. So I would see from the outside looking in, okay, she's, she's getting surgery. I would probably, I'm a little ashamed to say this, not take into account how that's affecting you and your personal life. If I was a fan of the team, which I definitely support BU, (laughs) I'd be upset that one of the best players, if not the best player, isn't playing, right? And then all of a sudden you see the 
amazing comeback story, if you want to call it that, where now you're the number one overall pick this past season's draft. And that's all somebody from the outside looking in sees. And I'm really glad you pointed that out. When you were going through that year of rehabbing, not playing, despite having that support system, did you find that it took a toll on your mental health? Did you get down? Were you depressed, anxious? Any of those difficult feelings during that process? Yeah, I definitely think that, um, like, I'm a tough person, I feel like, and I, um, I try to portray myself as, you know, like, everything's okay, and you can do it. And um, I try not to let people really like, kind of see I, I do definitely I want to say wear my heart on my sleeve, but I try not to let them see that. But mm. yeah, in reality, that was a hard year mentally. I mean, imagine sitting out an entire season, 30 plus games and watching your best friends, teammates, some of my roommates that I was so excited to finally be line mates with that mm. you, you don't get to experience that you don't get to play with some girls now like Olympians, Team Canada players, Team USA players, and um, you miss out on that. And um, you miss out on the success. And you're like, when they win, you're happy. When you lose, you're sad. But you're like, you're struggling with like your emotions. You're like, I don't really know how they feel. Like, I do know how they feel. I've been through the games, but I can't relate to them on like, I just can't. And it, mm. it, it was hard. I mean, it was hard. And yeah, like I was down, I would say like, I would say, <laughs> I think my anxiety that year, I think I was so laser focused on just getting back to hockey. Like I was, I'm a very like, like follow, like follow the plan. Like just you mm. have a plan. You're going to get up every day. You're going to do your workout. You're going to do your exercises. You're going to do your rehab, pool workout. You're going to go to lunch. Like it was very meticulous. It was down to the wire every day. And I think honestly, this year I struggled more with my mental health, mm. my like fifth year than I did my year with my injury, which is, um, it's kind of so weird to say that out loud because people would be like, but your year that you weren't playing hockey, like that was your whole identity. I'm like, I know, but this year is so hard. I've had so many transitions and so many changes in my life. And, um, mm. it's just been different. It's, it's different. And, um, I think like you said that it's good for people to know that I guess like the top and what you would say, like, people are like the best of the best, which I don't think is true, struggle with it. And I do struggle with it. I definitely think that the best of the best do struggle with it. Those high end athletes struggle with um, their mental health. Like I, I 100% think that um, a lot of my teammates, a lot of my friends, other teammates that I've had have, and mm. um, just to know that you're not alone is, I think people need to know that and that we need to have more of these conversations. Definitely. And they're happening, which is so amazing. I, I'm very grateful that you're using your platform, your platform and your voice to talk on this podcast. And guys like Hayden Hurst, um, Brandon Marshall, some of these like really high level, like Michael Phelps too, has come out and talked about this stuff too. And so we're making progress, which is great. And you're a part of that. So thank you. And yeah. you brought up a really interesting point or an interesting thought in that your anxiety was worse during this fifth year because of transitions and other things. Can we talk more about that? What do you think led to that anxiety being yeah. heightened? 
honestly, I think a lot of people can relate right now, like COVID, mm. um, everything going on in the world. It's stressful and it's, and how do we deal with it? How do we, how do I, how, how do I deal with, you know, not going back to BU and not being able to, you know, have my goodbyes and um, kind of have that like support system of my friends. Mm. Um, I think that that's something I really struggled with is not being able to go into my like roommate's room and talk about the day, talk about hockey practice, talk about workout. Um, it kind of just being like shut off. Um, and just like the big transitions, you know, like I'm going back to school and I'm getting my doctorate degree and I'm moving to the city all by myself. Mm. Um, I've never lived on my own since like this is, I've lived at home for the past seven months. This is the longest I've lived at home basically since I could even remember. Cause I moved out when I was 14 cause I went to mm. a um, boarding school. So this being at home has been so different for me and trying to, um, I love my parents and they're definitely not helicopter parents, but it's just a different, like I'm 23 and I haven't really had to um, like, had to like be at any, like be, have my parents kind of be around all the time. Mm. Um, so it's just like a different way of living and um, just starting a new program and how am I going to balance my, um, my professional hockey career, which is something I'm so passionate about my new platform of being drafted and just actually like finally realizing like, wow, I have this voice and people want to listen to you mm. um, and not, not saying the wrong thing and saying the right thing and when to say the right thing and how to say the right thing. Um, that's been like a lot on my mind. And mm. um, obviously, like I said, my doctorate program, I'm meeting 40 new classmates and um, obviously I think my program is great and they definitely see my perspective, but it's just very different than having a hockey team and having mm. a locker room to walk into every day. And, um, I guess also the stress that comes with, um, trying to be role models too, with, for building up sustainable hockey league. And it's hard. We women's hockey and just women's sports in general are getting a lot of momentum and we wanted to keep going in the right direction, but you know, you mm. want it to move faster than what it is and you just have to be patient. So, um, yeah, I guess those are like all the things that I would say are, um, they're not big things really. Like I take a step back and I'm like, I'm like, you know, why, why was I so anxious over still anxious over some of these things? And, mm. um, so I'm definitely trying to learn to learn to cope with it. And I think, um, everybody's going through their own struggles and everybody's going through their own transitions. And, um, I'm trying to learn how to cope with them. And I mean, even I am reaching out to get help. And I think that people need to know, like, that's okay to get help. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's transitions are hard and I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to work on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's clear you have like a few things going on. <laughs> yeah. just a oh, few awesome. but in but in perspective like are they that big of things you know like mm. should they like I think that that's what I'm really realizing during this whole COVID thing is like I'm like thinking I think about them in my mind and I'm like you know these are all good things like mm. these are all amazing things that are happening in my life and I think trying to like take that positive perspective like you know these are going to be hard and they're, they're hard times. Like I said, they might be, they're, they're a challenge and I love mm. challenges, but you're going to, you're going to go get through it and you're going to do well. So mm. 
Yeah, I think. Yeah. I believe that too. And I think as a fellow perfectionist, it's it's doubly <laughs> hard because mm-hmm. um big part of I have a big fear of failure, right? With uh, mm-hmm. nobody wants to fail. Um the reality is we all do at one point or another and it sucks. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. with a good work ethic, you end up being better off than you were anyway. So when I'm in those moments, a lot of times I try to remind myself of that. If I'm really anxious of something, I'm like, okay, well, worst case scenario, X happens. But <laughs> if that happens, I know I'm going to be okay. I know I'm yeah. going to make it out on top. And I think mm-hmm. that's definitely the same for you. And I, you know, I'm really glad too that you had said something earlier that kind of it's caught my eye, even something you can say when you're listening to it. I don't know. Um, but you said something, it caught my ear where you were saying how with, you know, this really exciting year being drafted number one overall, but COVID like COVID's this global pandemic. It's hard to, within that perspective, appreciate and be grateful for what's going on in your life. And I've struggled, I struggle with that a lot too. Sometimes I like think to myself, I'm like, there's literally like starving kids in Africa and, yeah. and I'm like complaining about some stuff over here. And, and I think yeah. that's, I think it's a really powerful and important perspective to have because I think that there's, there's truth to it. And there's also some grace that needs to be given to ourselves, right? The truth is, yes, there are some really big things going on from global pandemics to African children who are dehydrated and and starving there's also a truth to the fact that whatever's going on in my life is is a it's a legitimate big deal for me it's Mm -hmm. something I really care about and I would say the same for you it's you know sharing that grace with yourself and like yeah like it's okay to be anxious about these things um that's been an ongoing practice for myself too so anyways I'm glad you brought that up I thought that was cool and I think it's okay to like I think what I've tried to do since all of it is like, be like pat yourself on the back and be like, you know, like, like with everything going on, you want to be grateful. You have to be grateful. You have to like celebrate the little things. And Mm. um, I think just trying to be like, you know, patting yourself on the back and being like, you know, I'm proud I accomplished whatever, if it's a big goal or a small goal or whether you just want to, it doesn't matter what it is. I think that that's what I'm using as like my, um, like strategies is like just not a checklist, but kind of just like a little like self celebration. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just try and look at the big picture and the big picture is like, you know, it's, it's not that bad. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really cool that to take the time and pat yourself on the back. I saw one of my buddies put out something recently about how we so often look for inspiration outside of ourselves, but we can find so much inspiration in the things that we've gone through. I mean, I barely know you at all, but I I know of some of your accomplishments and there's probably so many more that I don't know of. And mm-hmm. so, and same for myself is when I'm feeling down or looking for that that piece of that little bit of inspiration it's really important to give ourselves those pats on the back and to remember like holy crap like i've come from this and here we are now and we're going to keep going and keep getting better mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i really appreciate that um you're transitioning into you know you're still a student athlete 
um, yeah. have been for a little while. It looks a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a lot different. I can only imagine <laughs> you're getting your doctorate while being a professional athlete, while probably having a bunch of other things going on too. What are some things that you've implemented in your life beyond what you've talked about a little bit now, having support groups and, and whatnot, um, to help you manage all that you've got going on? Yeah, I think, like I said, I mean, we talked about like support groups, which I mean, if anybody is, doesn't have a support group, I'm always here. I want people to know, like I, I've been, I don't know if we can relate or not relate, but I would love to listen and hear you. So, Mm. um, I definitely think that, um, a support group having a support staff, whether it's friends, family, anybody is so important, whether you reach out to a doctor or therapist, don't, don't be afraid to do that because I think the stigma around mental health is just, it needs to go. And, um, Mm. whether it's big or small, I think you get the help you want or you think you need. Mm. Um, but I think something that I've learned, um, the past month, well, I've actually had a month off of school and I've tried to fill my entire month of August with things to do because I (laughs) thought that I just needed that. Mm. Um, and I think I'm trying to take more time to myself and like give myself some more self love Mm. and enjoy the days I have off, even though it's really hard to kind of like just unwind and maybe just do nothing for the entire day and sit on the couch. Um, but I think saying no, I think being able to say no to people or telling yourself like, I'm not going to go work out today. I need, I need to, I need it. Like I need a mental health day. I need a day to myself. And if people question it, you can just be like, I just need time to myself to think and be by myself. And um, so I think learning how to say no has been a really big strategy for me this, um, the past few months, even though like I, people will probably be like, she's still saying yes to everything. (laughs) I think, (laughs) but I think like I do, I think I've been better where I'm like, I don't have workout. I have workout one morning and, I wake up and I am feeling anxious and panicky and I'm like, I can't go into the gym today. I'm not going to be the best version of myself. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm going to text my trainer and say, I can't go. And I hope that he understands. And, um, and that's kind of like where I was at a few times in the middle of my doctor program, like first semester started in June first. And I finished my master's degree in like mid May so I think it was like a very quick turnaround. And um, I think I like really learned in July that, you know, sometimes some days you just need to take to yourself. Some days you can't go to the rink. And even though you are supposed to go skate, you can't, you just, you like, you mentally cannot have that capacity. And I'm a very big like advocate for like, if you need that mental health day, you take that mental health day because you want to be the best. I always want to be the best version of myself around whoever it is. Um, so I've definitely been learning to do that and be better about it. So, um, trying to juggle all those things can be hard, but I also want people to know too, that they can do both. And I mean, there's going to be like highs and lows that come with them, but like you can do it. And it's so possible. I mean, there's so many other girls on my team that are doing it. And I mean, other professional athletes too, I'm sure that are doing it, doing a bunch of other things, whether it's starting a foundation or 
and playing professional sports or going back to school or having another job. Um, and it's definitely possible to do both. You just have to be, you have to, you have to have your priorities and what's most important to you. And like I said, sometimes you're going to have to say no. And sometimes you're going to have to have people in your life that you want and some people not in your life that support you and, um, and just build that foundation. And I'm also, I feel like a very big advocate the past few months, like building a healthy environment around me of people who support me and people who don't support me. And, um, I think if you can like build that like community and like, I, I think we talk about it too in my, my gym a lot. Like we talk about a village and I, I've talked about having mm -hmm. a village and um, through my injury, kind of having like a village of my trainers, my coaches, my strength coaches, my rehab specialists, my mental health, my mental skills coaches, mm -hmm. um, kind of like my family having that village that supports you. I think I'm really trying to take that more into my like professional career and more into my like academic career. Um, and it's helped a lot. So um, mm. I guess those are just like a few strategies that I've been trying to use. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm not perfect. Sometimes I go off path and I let my emotions get the best of me, but I'm really trying to like recenter myself with those few strategies that I've been trying to use. So those are really good ones. Thank you for sharing those. I, I've heard, well, first off, I should say, I am also somebody who says yes to many <laughs> things, way more things than I should. I've heard a couple things about saying no, though. And one is that saying no is a superpower. And the other one is that saying yes is saying no to everything else. But saying no is saying yes, maybe to everything else. Mm -hmm. You open yourself mm -hmm. up to more possibilities. And I really like that. And I think that links up to what you were saying about building up that village around you. That's something that I think many people can work on is keeping tabs on what people they're keeping in their lives, what people they're seeing often, and really weeding out the ones that don't actually serve you, that don't actually make you feel good. Um, I think we absolutely all have people in our lives who don't necessarily serve us or make us feel well. Yeah. And that's always going to happen. Maybe it's a coworker or a teammate that you don't like. I'm sure you like all your teammates though. So that's <laughs> definitely not <laughs> related, but, um, anyways, they'll always be there, but for as much as you can control it, building up that village of people who can serve you and who love you and who you trust is so, mm -hmm. so important. So really appreciate you sharing all that. And I'm encouraged. I feel like, thank you for the advice for reaffirming <laughs> those things. Um, but I get the feeling that you're going to be able to balance out your priorities well. And I think that you highlighting it doesn't always look perfect is important because it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So thank you again for that. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, mental health is a huge thing. I don't want to say now because it's always been a big thing, but it's being talked about so much more now. Yeah. When you were growing up in sports and you were on your amateur teams, maybe, maybe high school or middle school would be more uh, relative or rela relatable. Did you find that there were talks about mental health and encouragement for your teammates or yourself to seek out help? Or was it kind of still brushed under the rug and not, really talked about at those lower levels? I would say 
it was brushed under the rug a lot. I think in college it's gotten a lot better, but mm. I mean, I grew up on an all boys team. I grew up in a predominantly men's sport, um, which it's changing now and it's really exciting to see. But I think we have this like stigma around it that it's kind of like weak if you kind of mm. talk about it and you're not tough. And I mean, being, I grew up on a, playing on a boys team and um, until I was like in high school or so. And I mean, mental health back then wasn't really talked about, but I mean, imagine, I mean, even now, like imagine being a girl, a, a female athlete, and then on top of that, having mental health issues. Mm. I mean, that's like a double whammy. And I think that we're taught to like be tough and have this toughness and um, like d don't show your emotions and stuff because it's going to make you look weak. But mm. on, I think it may, I think when you show your emotions, I'm a very emotional person. I feel like mm. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like I mentioned earlier, even though I try not to um, show my teammates when I'm struggling. I think that there's, there's points when you can show that you're struggling and points when, I mean, when like a workout gets tough, that's different compared to mental health, you know, but I think that there's a power that comes to being able to tell people how you're feeling and that there's a power being able to express your, your mental health status. I think that mm. it's empowering. It's, it shows people that you care and that you're passionate about something and that, Hey, like I'm struggling and I need some help. And Hey, can you help me? Can you talk to me for a minute? I think that that shows that um, it shows a maturity and it shows just like you're intellectually like, like mature in that sense. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's something to be shy about. I think it's something to be talked about and to be, um, and to be okay to talk about. I mean, um, a lot of us struggle and it's okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you, I think the way that you just phrased that is great. You said something about how it's important to sh share your feelings, to be vulnerable, but maybe not show your emotions when you're getting upset at the difficulty of a workout. Like there's yeah. definitely, I so much believe in the power of vulnerability. But there's absolutely a balance. You're so right. Like you, I had a gentleman on the podcast a couple months ago named Patrick Verano, and he talked about how vulnerability in leadership, for example, is really powerful or can be really powerful. But if a guy comes in every single day and goes into this conference room with his employees and he's like, oh God, I'm so scared about this product launch. Like every single day, that's probably not good vulnerability. Maybe if he says it once and he's like, Hey guys, I'm gonna be honest. I'm nervous. Well, we got this. We're going to be with each other. It completely different or, you know, a kid granted kids, like they're still learning how to handle their emotions. But if you like cry because something doesn't go your way on the ice, baseball field court, whatever, maybe that's not the best way to handle your emotions. But I also don't think that my perspective being a young man and when I was like in little league baseball and stuff, a kid shouldn't be like ashamed for crying after losing a playoff game or something like that. Like there are definitely differences in this vulnerability. So I think it's really important that you brought that up. Um, and I yeah. wholeheartedly and I agree with you. And I think it's okay to be vulnerable about something that you're passionate about. I mm. mean, um, and something that is like, I feel like I am so passionate about hockey and about working out and about 
like so I guess I don't want to say people would I guess in my eyes maybe I'm like you know I think people think it's selfish but I'm okay with that I'm okay with like you know I need to do things for myself to be better to be my best version of myself and um and just to be vulnerable like you said and show emotions I mean um I I think it's I think it's like makes you it makes you connect to people more. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I just I think it's great when I have teammates that open up to me and we're able to connect on a level like that. It's just it's just eye-opening and it's very different and um it makes your team better. It makes it makes you see other people's perspectives better and um I think to learning a lot about perspectives and being able to um see where people are coming from is something that is always I'm always learning about I'm always trying to develop and um it's a big part of sports in general so Hmm. and mental health absolutely yeah and you said something about that earlier too and I think that that's so important because we're all so quick to judge and not take the time to hear somebody's story and so I Mm -hmm. think that I'm just really glad that you put that reminder out there like hey people are going through stuff we have no idea why they're doing what they're doing, but we can ask or we can just be there, which is really important. Um, So yeah, Sammy, that's awesome. Do you find that, I don't know too much about the NWHL. Did I say that right? Yes, I did. NWHL. (laughs) Um, Do you find that they, do they do a lot of work with mental health advocacy? You know what? I, this is my first year in the league and I'm Mm. like a rookie in the league. So Mm. I don't, I can't really like make it have any statements on it. Mm. Um, so far, I mean, once I, once I play for a year, I'll definitely, um, be able to like talk more about it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess I can talk a little bit about BU. I think over the years they've gotten better since my freshman year to my fifth year, I think Mm. they definitely have more resources and, they're more apt to be like, you know, you, there's only so much ATs can do. There's only so much doctors can do. Like we highly recommend for you to go talk to somebody and you, we don't need to tell anybody like HIPAA. Um, you don't need to tell anybody, but we highly recommend you do that. And I think that that's been a really big change in college sports that I've seen over the years and I hope it gets better. And I hope that, um, like any, whether, whatever team you're on, I hope that you realize that there is like resources and um, to seek those resources. And sometimes it can be hard to go seek those resources because mm. you don't want people to know. Um, I mean, I've kept, I've, I went to go see a therapist during my BU career and I told some people and I didn't tell some people. Mm. And then as like the years went on, I kind of told some people and I started opening it up, opening up about it more. And um yeah, I think that it's, that there's more, I think it's, there's more um, resources out there and it's really, really great to see. Um, yeah. And Absolutely. there's people, there's definitely people that like want to listen. So um, I think it's, it is hard trying to find a person that is willing to listen, but there's always somebody out there that is going to be willing to listen. Definitely. Well, that's super encouraging that at BU, there are a lot of things put in place. And I think that for anybody listening, if you find that you're in a situation where things aren't put in place, you can be somebody who starts to make a change in that. And Sammy, again, I want to 
thank you for being part of the change, for sharing your heart, being vulnerable, coming on this podcast and spending some time with me so our listeners can learn more about you and, and help break down that stigma that there is around mental health. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, definitely. I love talking about this stuff. I think it's really important for everybody to know and just to be able to have hard conversations. I think hard conversations are good conversations. I agree very much so. Before I let you go, where can people go and find you, any of the work that you do, your social medias, all that good stuff? Yeah, so you can find me on social media. I'm pretty sure um, you can message me or I think I have my email in there. So if you guys like ever have questions or need somebody to talk to, I'll definitely try and respond to those like as soon as possible. But yeah, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Those are probably the best ways to find me. I think I don't even know my Instagram handle. That's so bad. Oh, it's um, all good. <laughs> It'll be linked in S. the description. Davis underscore, I know S Davis underscore 16. Um, but I'm always open to have these conversations and talk and, um, I want to see your perspective. I want to learn. I mean, I'm still learning about so many things in life. Uh, and I just, I like to have these conversations. So yeah, I'm always here. Awesome. Sammy, thank you again. Thanks for your curiosity and everything that you're doing to help people in general. You rock. Oh, thank you. You rock too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you found that this helped you and you think it would help somebody else or even be entertaining to someone else, please share this on social media. Share it with your friends, people you don't even know. Just let's get this into the hands of other people because the whole point of this podcast is to share others' stories, to share my story, to allow other people to know that they're not alone in whatever they're going through. So the more people who hear it, the more we'll all know that we're not alone. And please, if you feel led, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. One star, five star, leave some feedback. Help me make this thing better. That's the goal, right? We want to help people and we want to make this podcast better so that we can continue to help even more people. So you all rock. Really appreciate you listening. And we'll be back with another episode next Saturday. Peace.